Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. The Sunbury Motors Kia, the routes 11 and 15 in beautiful downtown Hummel's Wharf, where the suit, if he wished, could be king. That's what I heard, yes. You know where you heard it from? The suit. (laughs) 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 All right. So I guess I'm supposed to see Reichley tonight, huh? That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm supposed to go over and see Reichley tonight. Uh it's alleged. It's allegedly I get to spend fifteen minutes there. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he gave you the right venue. Last time I spoke with Reichley, he the, it, was, it was earlier this month, and they were narrowing it. They were narrowing the location down to two different places. So hopefully, he got in touch with you since then. <laughs> two. <laughs> well, it better be the one I pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll zip, you his fel- I'll, I'll zip you his cell phone number during the break if you need it. <laughs> no, it's all right. Okay. How, about if I, how about if I just guess? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to guess. <laughs> I'll go from there. We have a fun one today, by the way. Another fun one coming up. They're always, they're, they're always fun. Mm. Some more so than others. I think we'll get on... No, I don't know. Like a Kevin Kugler and Neil Kulong, really fun. Remember that five-part series we did uh, on the suit? That wasn't fun. Did you find that fun? I don't even think we archived that. <laughs> I think of all the shows that you've done in the last five years, I think those five we did not archive. <laughs> That's because we tried to hide it from management. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did what? No, no, really. It's not even an archive. If it's not an archive, we couldn't have possibly have done it. Nothing here. <laughs> okay. Look at the hand. Look at the hand. <laughs> what about the hand? <laughs> That's exactly right. Delete what button. Where's the delete button? The button, yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well... We're going to break down the final four. Kevin Kugler will be the radio voice of the final four again this year. So we'll go out to Omaha. We'll talk to him. He has not made his way yet to Phoenix, known to some people in our building as Pahonix, um, for this extravaganza. Now, uh, Derek Smith, Jr., has declared for the NBA draft out of NC State. It is interesting that in this one-and-done era, that if you are not John Calipari 
Mike Krzyzewski or Tom Izzo, you don't always have success in the one-and-done era. And guess what happens when you don't have awesome success in the one-and-done era? You lose your job. Mark Gottfried out at NC State, and part of the argument is, hey, wait a minute. How could you have someone such as a Dennis Smith Jr., a one-and-done, and not do better? Uh down at, um, for example, um, uh, LSU. How do you have Ben Simmons and not make the tournament? You're out there with um, um, uh Lorenzo Romar at Washington. How could you have Markel Fultz, who might be the first overall pick in the draft, and not win? See, the one and done works a couple different ways. In some ways, guys lose their job over it. Doesn't mean they're not worth taking. I mean, obviously, you get some of that talent. You're trying to get the most talented players possible on there. I'll tell you a player who had a lot of hype coming out of high school going into this season was Harry Giles at Duke. It was just announced a little while ago that uh, despite not, <laughs> well, let's just face it, he didn't really rise up to expectations this freshman year. He is going to forgo any more time at Duke and take right. a world the NBA draft. I'm really surprised about that. I would have thought that he would have at least not, stayed one more year. I'm not. I'm not. Because here's the risk that these guys are taking right now. The risk is this. What if you keep doing the same thing next year? What happens? You don't get drafted. Harry Giles' draft status will not be higher next year than it is now. You're saying, well, gee. Now, his problem this year, Sean, was in, was injuries. Oh, yeah. He had a couple of ACLs, had a knee surgery right. before the season started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, he did not play in the Penn State game because he had a scope done on his name. So I didn't see him play. I saw him in I saw him uh, in a sweatsuit. But that doesn't help. Um So Giles is doing I mean, everyone expected him to go pro. I mean, Marcus Bolden at Duke. He's going to go pro too, you know. I mean, he hasn't announced it yet, but he's going to. And he averaged 1.1 rebound a game. Again, same thing. Great NBA looks at great potential. And, look, Harry Giles showed to me that he's a little bit tougher around the boards as a rebounder uh, than I thought he would be. He's not as good an offensive player. Uh, I mean, Tatum's a much better offensive player that he is. Um, so, I mean, four points and four rebounds a game this season. I mean, Jason Tatum's already come out. And they say now Giles is likely to be taken in the latter half of the first round. So he's probably not going to be a lottery pick. 
So there's Giles, there's Tatum, the player you mentioned too. Will, will Grayson Allen stay? I think it's time for him to go. I mean, that's... There are a lot, but you know what? Going into the season, he was the rated the 22nd player on the board. He's probably not that high now. Now, Giles is ranked by Chad Ford of ESPN as the 14th best prospect in the draft. I mean, this is what's happening with the NBA. Remember I talked about player development earlier in the week? And the NBA has no time at all for player development. None. You either play or I go to the next guy who can. Pretty simple. All right, pretty simple. And the one and done. Have you noticed the one and done guys who end up going obviously to the mediocre teams? Okay, we understand that. I mean, because that's just the way the draft works. I mean, you don't expect the Cavaliers to have the first overall pick right now or the Golden State Warriors. But they disappear. Brandon Ingram. Second overall pick last year. How's he doing? Nobody knows. He's in the witness protection program. This has happened to a lot of these guys that are one and done. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, I remember watching him when he was at Kentucky. Um, I thought of another player from Kentucky, Willie Cauley-Stein. Hasn't been too bad. Well, Yeah, but he was not a one and done, though. Willie Cauley Stein was uh, was a junior when he entered the draft. See, I think that's just that assumption now with Kentucky. Right. There's just that connection. Oh, every player is one and done there. So. Right. I mean, yeah, everybody does think that. I mean, there's no getting around it. Everybody thinks, oh, well, it's Kentucky. It has to be a one and done. No, not always. Most of the time. <laughs> but Anthony Davis has been great. Been great since day one. He has been. Um, great all the way through and but a lot of these guys the one and dones especially in that league if you're not Golden State maybe the Clippers you know uh, obviously Cleveland San Antonio San Antonio doesn't do the one and done thing they're never in a position to draft them. But if you're not one of the upper echelon teams, the Celtics, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to disappear in this league. And being a one-and-done first overall pick means nothing in this league. For example, the Minnesota Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns, very good player, first overall pick, one-and-done. They have Andrew Wiggins, first overall pick, one and done. Remember, they acquired him in that deal for Kevin Love. Cleveland actually drafted him first. And they're going to miss the playoffs again. 
and they have guys that are in the one. It doesn't in the NBA. It means nothing. It means zero. Guy like Carson Wentz can be the second overall pick in the NFL draft, and he can turn an entire city on. Yeah, not make the playoffs, but now feel like, feel like you have hope. You know, you think in Minnesota, they think they have hope. They're very young now. The Tom Thibodeau is an excellent coach, and he and Patrick Chambers had a long talk when he was out of Minnesota. Because remember, one of the front office scouts happens to be Calvin Booth with Minnesota. But that's the—I mean, these guys get in the league; they get their money. There's no question they get their money. But what are they accomplishing in terms of winning and losing? Not much. Not much. I mean, Harry Giles, I mean, he's got to go. I mean, seriously, he has to go. Why? His his value is not going to be higher next year, Sean. It's not going to be. It, it, as odd as that sounds, I, I don't think it's because of his knee problems and so forth. I think he's got to strike while, while he can get some cash. I don't blame him. Grayson Allen... I don't know. Um, I would doubt Grayson Allen now would be a first-round pick. If he stays, he'll probably be in the same spot next year. So he has to make a decision. He has to make a decision. I expect Miles Bridges to leave Michigan State. I expect Bolden to leave. I expect Monk to leave. I expect Fox to leave. Dennis Smith Jr. has already left. I hope you know who Dennis Smith Jr. is with NC State because he'll end up going to some NBA team and you'll never see him again. (laughs) We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Zane Rutherford wins the Hodge Award as the nation's top wrestler. Look, pound for pound in college wrestling, he's the best wrestler in college wrestling, pound for pound. I'm not going to say he's the best wrestler in the country because that would be absurd to say uh, because um, this country has (laughs) the Jordan Burroughs and the David Taylors and the Snyders of the world, so I'm not going to say that, but in college wrestling, in collegiate wrestling, pound for pound, Zane Rutherford is uh, among the best and can be argued as the best. So he won the Hodge Award today as uh, recognized as the nation's best. So congratulations to him. Vince Pedrie, Penn State's top defenseman, first team all Big Ten selection, stalwart on the blue line, two years of eligibility remaining, has opted to go to the New York Rangers. So he's out. Like, oh. I didn't know he played for us. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see. So Harry Giles is leaving Duke. 
Let's see here. Uh, entering the NBA draft, Jason Tatum, NBA draft. Chase Jeter's already transferred from Duke. He started against Penn State. Grayson Allen returned for his junior year, battled injuries. Um, many people think he's a second-round pick. That's what I just told you. Uh, they say he's on track to graduate this May. So, Allen's a mystery. Uh, Luke Kennard may have put himself into the first round of the draft, replacing Grayson Allen. Um, Frank Jackson, they say it's always possible he could enter the draft. Jackson played against Penn State. I want to tell you right now, of the freshman group, I'm actually among Duke players. He may have been the best defensive player among the Duke players. Duke is not a great defensive team. They're a good defensive team. They're not a great defensive team. And that shows up. But Duke's going to have a different team. Sean Obi, who didn't play at all this year, is going to transfer. He's going to, you know. And then there's I mentioned Marcus Bolden. Okay. Leg injury early on. Never uh, could recover. Average one point, one rebound a game. And the feeling is at minimum he's going to put his name into the draft but not have an agent to find out where he stands. I believe Amir Jefferson was a senior. Emil Jefferson is a senior. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Boy, it'd be a completely different looking team next year. Yeah. I don't want to I don't so, want to term the word rebuild. I don't want to say that, but but it kind of has the look and feel of it. Uh, this was a tough season for them. I mean, by their standards. <laughs> a tough year when you make the final four. Well, with Grayson Allen in the headlines <laughs> for all the wrong reasons and Coach K with his back troubles. and so. Yeah. All right, next half hour, Neil Kulong, and then we'll have Kevin Kugler on the show. All right. Then tonight, I get to see the Reichley group. He said I have to spend 15 minutes there. That I'm to be fun and engaging. I'm going to have to call my personal fun and engaging person to tell me how to do that. And you know who that is. The suit. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. See, they've gone back to arguing. You know what I like about that? I like when people know who they are. (laughs) Uh, See, it's just not natural. I know the world is looking for kumbaya moments. That's what this show's about. Uh, You know, they woke up in the morning took a look in the mirror and it's like yeah we just got to tap into our strengths 
No doubt. No doubt. Neil Kulong in a moment. Kevin Kugler next half hour. Talk with Neil about the NFL. We'll talk to Kevin about the Final Four, which he will be announcing on radio this weekend. This day in sports history, 1945, Maurice Rocket Richard of the Montreal Canadiens became the first player in NHL history to score 50 goals in a season. He scored his 50 goals in 50 games. Now, Wayne Gretzky broke that mark when he got 50 goals in 39 games. 1963, Sonny Werblin announced that the New York Titans of the American Football League were going to change their name to the New York Jets. It was Werblin, by the way, who convinced Joe Namath to go to the Jets and not the St. Louis Cardinals in the AFL-NFL war. 1990, Jesse Owens received the Congressional Gold Medal from U.S. President George H.W. Bush. Well, well, well deserved. 1999, in Cuba, the Orioles beat the Cuban national team 3-2. It was the first time since the 1950s that the U.S. team played had played in Cuba. And in 2002, former NFL player Dexter Manley was sentenced to two years in jail for evidence tampering. He had been convicted for attempting to swallow cocaine he was carrying and then failed to meet with his probation officer. That is this day in sports history. A lot going on in the National Football League. Really no need to talk a lot about the Steelers this week. They're not making a lot of news. But Neil Kulong, USA Today, now joins us. Neil, welcome back. It is always great to hear you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We are now in the era of the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Some will say that it is the NFL going for shiny and new versus uh, passion and fans. How do you fall on that? Um, Really, I I think what gets mixed up in all this is the the real reason why they're looking at shiny and new, and that's because they have um, another city that's going to build them a stadium. Um, you know, Mark Davis for the Raiders, he doesn't want to pony up, you know, $750 million of his own money to build it in Oakland uh, if he doesn't feel the community is really going to support that. Uh, the other side of the, the equation, why is it that a billionaire owner has to have public funding to build a stadium that he profits from? I mean, it really, it, it's, it's kind of confusing uh, at what point the game and the, the culture of the game really gets lost as opposed to the profit. Now, you understand, I mean, at it, it, that level, the amount of money that it costs to run an NFL team, you get why they want to have something of a, a substantial return on their investment. But at some point, it's going to stop. There's, there's going to be a, a, one of the, the mid-level age stadiums now are going to get to the point where they're old and everyone else is going to remember all of this. They're not going to vote for the stadium, but nobody's going to want to build them one either. So my question is really where this is all going and where it ends. They can't all be in Los Angeles. Right, exactly. So now Las Vegas, 40th largest market in the country uh, versus the number six market where Oakland will leave. Oakland, San Francisco would be number six. And they're going to go to an area of the great unknown. Uh, How interesting is it to you that that they're really going to an area of the unknown where I don't think anybody knows how it's going to play there? 
Uh, one, I, I think they do have something of a, a geographical uh, connection. I mean, it, it's not terribly far from that area. I mean, it's not next door, obviously, either. But you have a regional fan base that you still might be able to draw on, and the fact that it's obviously a, a, a destination of choice uh, among their key demographic. Um, to me, that, that makes sense why they would do it, not another team. Like if, if say, the, the Houston Texans were relocating, I don't think Vegas would be a very good option for them. But, uh, it, you know, looking at it, it, more than anything for me, what's really interesting is from a marketing perspective, how exactly they're going to try to draw in uh, a new fan base. It's a small market. It's one that, that now is going to have two pro sports teams within the next three years. How is the, the, the climate within Las Vegas from a sporting perspective going to change? Um, yeah, sure. You, you can bring in all these other events for the stadium that everyone's talking about, but you know, you got to put butts in seats for, for the, your main tenants. You've got a, a lot of tourists that are going to come into the area. Do they want to go to an NFL game um, on, on a Sunday morning, technically, out there for half the season? Um, it, it's interesting why somebody would want to leave the sports book to, to go to the stadium to watch the game. Um, you know, But they have something of a plan. I think the NFL, top to bottom, its real strength is in TV dollars and the, the you know revenue sharing that they have among the other teams. So in merchandise, I think would probably be a big uh, a boost for for what the Raiders are selling now. They're they're obviously one of the you know probably ten most well marketed teams in the NFL. So you know it, what kind of fan base is this going to attract? How will the market react to it? it that that's you know all down the road. But I think that's really what the main questions are going to be. Yeah, the hockey one to me is is interesting because obviously when does hockey play? Most of the time, hockey plays at night. The NHL plays at night. Well, when does Las Vegas thrive, and when do people go to work in Las Vegas? At yep, night, that's, that's uh, you hit the nail on the head with that. That they really, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand the NHL team. Um, I, I get the NFL because I think you can sell the right. NFL anywhere. Yeah, it's it's a sun, it's Sunday. It's in the afternoon. Normally, it's no big deal. This is different. Yep, everyone's you know you go to Vegas. I mean, the, the times that I've been there, I've, I've spent time in the sports book. I'm not really much of a better, but just you know, it, right. it's interesting to see all of it uh, in, in live action. I was with people that are really heavily into that stuff. Um, for me, it's like, well, I don't really want to go to the game. The action's all here. I can see all the other games. I, I'd rather just kind of stay here and you know maybe make a better two and get a free drink than than go spend twelve dollars for it at the stadium. Um, you know, certainly the case if if, if that's hockey, <laughs> that that's right. just me. But um, it, it's obviously a, a, a lesser selling sport. Um, how they're going to do that? I I, I don't know. I, the NHL uh, the NHL does some interesting things. I, I think this one will be one of the one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think we'll go to Quebec. We're going to go to Las Vegas now. <laughs> For a vacation, I got it. <laughs> okay, okay, that part pretty easy. Hockey, don't quite have it, but that's all right. That's that's going to be their issue to deal with. All right, uh, leading up now, but a little bit less than a month ago, before the uh, before the draft, uh, let, let, I want to talk about the Kaepernick situation. I want nine to ten million. I want a chance to start. All right. Uh, isn't there some point you have to realize, based on body of work, who you are? I would, uh, to some degree, I would agree with that. Um, but I will say that, that Ryan Fitzpatrick held out way longer last year, That's and he got $15 point. million. Dollars. That's a good so point. So the, the reality is, I mean, you know, we, we, everyone's going to want to talk about how he's being blackballed for his views on society or whatever. It's not the case at all. The fact is no. that the lingering uh, issue here is what's going to happen with Tony Romo. You know, plain and simple, right. that the Texans are a Super Bowl contender if they have a decent quarterback. 
they obviously have made moves specifically geared toward uh, signing or trading for Tony Romo. Um, no one else is going to move until that chip falls. I, I don't think many would disagree that Jay Cutler is probably, uh, from a talent perspective, a, a, a better player than Kaepernick is right now. He doesn't have a job. I don't think anybody would really care if Jay Cutler was blackballed. He's not exactly the most likable guy in the world, but uh, he's going to get a starting job before Kaepernick will. Right. Kaepernick is, is going to go somewhere uh, probably to compete. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that $10 million range. Um, the reality is, though, if you watched him last year, he, he looked like a shell of himself. I'm yeah. not sure if that was the injuries that he took or it, probably more than anything. I think he, he's getting a little bit older, and he was such a, a, a fantastic athlete. He could get away with, with a lot of the mechanical issues that he had. And people always said, you know, in his prime, why was he a second-round pick? Why, why, would, why didn't he go in the first round? My thought is, as good an athlete as he is, that's why he didn't go in the fifth round. Um, he really is, is a flawed passer, and I think that's catching up with him more and more. His mechanics are really bad. He's lost a lot of his arm strength. Uh, he doesn't look like the same guy, but somebody is going to give him a shot somewhere. The, the bottom line, this is about winning, um, and, and he could be a very valuable backup quarterback, certainly uh, somebody to compete against against a younger passer, a team that, that might need to uh, – uh, draft somebody to, to at least try to play right away. He's a good insurance policy against that. That's his market. That that's what it's going to end up being. Uh, those guys don't get signed for a little while yet. You kind of go through your draft evaluation. If you're not comfortable with uh, the idea of taking a quarterback in the first round, he's a guy that you might want to sign. So it, you know, for him, I think it's it gets to the point where he'll get his roughly market value, which is probably ten, eleven million a year. Doesn't this, though, expose when we get to these conversations every spring, doesn't this expose the lack of quality depth at the position? There may be 15 or 16 really good quarterbacks in this league, and there are probably 15 or 16 mediocre ones. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you get fewer and fewer from every year, it seems. I mean, guys, you know, they, they they don't rise as much as they fall at that position. And what's really interesting, it, it's hard to find a parallel uh, really anywhere, and I, I'll, I'll include sports in that, where you have a, a known commodity that's mediocre at best for, for what the high and the low is for the position, mediocre at best, still making money that, that leans a lot closer toward the high end than the low end. I mean, the basement level salary for, for a, a, a starting level quarterback is probably $14 million a year, something that, that Brock Osweiler proved last year. You, you could have done basically nothing, and if you started games, teams need you, so they're going to sign right. for you, they're going to trade for you, they're going to do whatever they can to, to, to bring you in. It's money that they expect to spend for it. You don't find many other uh, entities anywhere in business that has such a, a, a high level of value knowing that the product is essentially inferior. You know, you're not going to win with Brock Osweiler, and, and Houston learned that lesson last year, but he's still going to make that money, and he still is. Cleveland isn't going to cut him, right. uh, at least not right now. They, they don't even have a quarterback right. outside of him. So it, it's just, it, it's a real interesting uh, dynamic of how that works, but you clearly, uh, based on the market, there's no reason to think Jay Cutler isn't going to go make $14 million a year somewhere. Whether he starts or not, that's what he's going to make. Uh, what about uh, the commissioner and those on the rules committee uh, putting certain uh, elements in to attempt to speed up the game? Um, I, I think they're hearing fans that that are uh, you know readily available and, and open and willing uh, to give them you know strong suggestions on how the game should change. And I certainly think that uh, this is the main one that everybody will say that the commercial kickoff commercial bit, especially <laughs> right. with the touchback, right. that that's a bit much. And, and Goodell is probably right to say I don't even like that. 
probably because I don't think anybody really would. I mean, it, it's it's annoying. I don't even watch kickoffs anymore, to be honest. Right. With you. That, that's when I'll go do something else. Right. So, it, you know, it, it, it makes more sense to speed up the game. I don't think the game feels necessarily slow to me, but uh, I'm also a bad one to ask about that because I'm, I'm doing stuff during the game. If anything, I'd say the commercial breaks feel really short to me when I'm trying to write something. Uh, that just came up or, or do whatever on social media. Um, I, I do know though, at uh, 1 p.m. kickoff, the game ends at 4.30. It's like, wow, my afternoon's gone. You know, it, it probably could be sped up a bit and, uh, you know, I, I, I would certainly be in favor of them doing anything to, to help that, especially if it's eliminating the boring aspects of the game. Well, remember, like it, remember it used to be 1 o'clock kickoff, 4 o'clock kickoff. Well, now they've yep. moved kickoffs back to 4.25 in that late window because they recognize that it's, uh, Look, I don't. I don't find the game the the touchdown extra point commercial kickoff commercial. I mean, yeah, I, we've all noticed that. I mean, that's absurd. But I don't feel the game is slow when I watch it. But I do feel it's longer. How about that? Yeah, that that's actually you know what. Scratch everything I just said. That that's the right way to look at it. Um, I, I think what you feel. Um, especially in this era compared to even just like 15 years ago. Right. Uh, so many teams emphasize tempo in their offense that plays are getting, you know, they're getting run a lot faster and they're getting to those commercial breaks a lot quicker. Right. You know, they have them at set times, you know, right around the, you know, 1235 mark, the next break and play is a commercial break. So I think teams are having the play clock go, you know, a lot sooner into, you know, it's countdown before snapping the ball. You see more plays, but that also makes you get to the commercial break faster. So it, it kind of interrupts the, the flow of the game. So it, to me, I agree with you. If it's an action-packed game, if it's exciting, less interruptions the better, but it, it doesn't it, – it feels like the experience itself is a lot longer than the action on the field is. Yeah, I remember a couple of – I want to say four years ago, uh, the in college basketball – they were trying to emphasize certain calls, and suddenly games were going 215, 220. Well, you and I both know they want the games to fit idealistically into two hour windows. Uh, now, why? Because we have games scheduled at 1, 3, 5, and 7 on a Saturday. Okay? So they had to figure out a way to do that, and that's what I think this comes down to. How does it fit into a nice, convenient, uh, tidy uh, television window? Fair enough? Yeah, I would think if anything too, they, what they might be saying is it gives them the opportunity uh, to keep the second game start time the same. Right. Uh, in doing that, you you create the window between it and have a longer post game show. That's when that's when they can really go over everything. And it, to me, uh, in, in the industry that I'm in, it really seems the game is going. Uh, the sport, I should say, is going closer to uh, the general fan, the fantasy football fan, as opposed to the team-specific fan. I mean, obviously, the, the team market is going to be, you know, probably always bigger, but it, it's it's really a, a large segment of the NFL population it, it is in it for league exposure. You know, the amount of people that watch, uh, you know, the the, the uh, red zone channel. Uh, that NFL Network has, which just kind of goes from game to game to game. It really shows the NFL, I think, that there is a, a strong contingent of people that would watch these highlights on TV, um, it, you know, given the opportunity to do so. So, you know, it, if if they can make the game shorter, increase the length of the post-game show, and then start the second game when they normally do, I would think from, from a business end that they could view that as a win. Neil, that was going to be my last question, but I'll, I'll phrase it in a different way. It's about red zone. When you are not covering the Steelers, do you watch more of another game in full, or do you watch more red zone? 
honestly, I, I don't watch it. <laughs> um, it gets uh, it, it, you can burn out pretty easily if that's all you do all day on a Sunday. I guess. When, I was, when I was 23, I could get away with that. It just, yeah. It's not the same anymore. Um, just for the sake of knowing what it is and what it's all about, I watched the Red Zone channel a, a couple times in the past. I think it's really interesting. It's a very unique idea, and I see why people get into it. Um, it's not me. Uh, I, I kind of like the symphony you know, of the yeah. game. I like seeing the buildup. I want to see the whole drive. That's just my preference. I, I totally get why people watch it. It really is a smart idea of them to do. Oh. Um, and the, the, the people that they have running it must be insane. I mean, I don't know how much coffee they drink, but oh. my, my Lord, that, that must uh, be hard. We've had Scott, Han- Scott Hansen on the show. <laughs> and, oh. and, I mean, does he sleep? I mean, uh, I, I would think he'd, he'd develop some kind of a disorder after a okay. while. He'd go well, crazy. Well, first of all, I refer to that channel as the ADD channel. <laughs> it's all over the place. Wow. It's like coming at you. It's like you have complete sensory overload when you're done. Whoa, he, whoa. <laughs> and, how he ke- and how he keeps that thing together for, I don't know, how long is he on? Nine hours, 10 hours? And I don't see the guy yep. make a mistake. Yeah, he rarely ever does. Rarely <laughs> he, ever does. I think and he's and amazing. If he even does, if he even does, it's just like you know what? I can't blame him for that at all. I had no idea who that guy was. <laughs> Apparently, this is the third string running back for for Dallas. He's in now for some reason. I have no clue. But you know, he's watching the, the other games are on. He's got people talking in his ear while he's doing it. That's 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 a talent. You know, it, it, I don't think he gets praised enough. And you hear a lot about. You know, people's appreciation for what he does. That's a that's a crazy job. He's really good. He's really good. He's he's very because we've had him on the show, and I mentioned that, and he says, "Well, you know, I'm just kind of a football junkie." I'm like, "Okay, okay, great." Hey, as always, Neil. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong, USA Today. Next half hour, Kevin Kugler on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury Motors Lincoln continues to satisfy the most discerning buyer by making American luxury affordable. If you are looking for a midsize SUV, the Lincoln MKX has to be on your list. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has a brand new 2016 Black Velvet MKX all-wheel drive with navigation and panoramic Vista roof with an MSRP of $48,640 for only $43,352. That's $5,288 in savings. You can choose from 12 MKXs in stock now. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has five 2017 Lincoln Continentals in stock, ready for the test drive of your life. The 2017 Continental won the coveted 2017 AutoGuide.com Reader's Choice Luxury Car of the Year Award. Sunbury Motors has a 2017 Continental with an MSRP of 48315 discounted to 46315 Now is the time to see why more people are realizing they can move up to a brand new Lincoln from Sunbury Motors Lincoln in the North Force Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Great to have you with us on the show today. Kevin Kugler, who will be the radio voice on Westwood One of the Final Four, is going to join us to break down the Final Four in the next half hour as they go to uh, the Phoenix area, to Glendale, for the first time. You know, they're going to build that new stadium in Las Vegas, about a billion dollars. It will be a dome stadium. To me, that now opens the door to what I think is a realistic possibility. In fact, I'll say, say to you that 
With that stadium being built in Las Vegas, within 10 years from today, within 10 years from today, a Final Four will be played in Las Vegas. They want to put bring the Final Four all over the country. Phoenix or Glendale is the only place in the West with a dome stadium. And because of that, they get it. Well, Las Vegas would have the second one in the West. And Mark Emmert's already talked about putting the first two rounds of the tournament at the T-Mobile Arena. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially with five conferences hosting their tournaments there. We're your home for news, sports, weather, and your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.